Welcome to Club Chatter, the podcast that gives you the inside scoop on 4-H from extension professionals. This is your host and Summit County 4-H coordinator, Samantha Krieger. As a kid growing up in a major city, I had no idea what 4-H was other than what I saw from the 4-H kids when I took my yearly trip to the Los Angeles County Fair. Every year without fail, I would come back from the fair and beg my parents to let me get my own cow. And every year without fail, they would say no. But here I am today to share that 4-H is for you, cow or not. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you aren't familiar with 4-H or you're wanting to get a deeper understanding of 4-H. So let's start with the history of 4-H. 4-H has been around for more than 100 years and the concept came about due to the lack of adults who were receptive to new agriculture research and developments that were being produced on university campuses. However, young people were open to the new ideas and were willing to share them with adults. Kind of sounds like not much has changed since the late 1800s, but I digress. So the idea of hands-on learning was implemented and agriculture education in public schools was initiated. 1902 was a big year for 4-H. Youth clubs were started in the Buckeye state of Ohio and that same year in Minnesota, after-school agricultural clubs were created. And by 1912, the official title of 4-H was established. 4-H was nationalized by the passage of the Smith-Lever Act in 1914, which created the Cooperative Extension System. By 1924, 4-H clubs were nationwide and the Clover emblem was adopted. Now, many and many years later, 4-H has evolved and serves youth in urban and rural settings across the nation. 4-H offers a variety of programs from traditional livestock to computer science and robotics. My personal favorite would be the goat packing project area, and no, I have not yet participated in this program. So I just told you the history of 4-H, but chances are you still don't understand what 4-H really is. And that's okay. Even us professionals have a hard time defining 4-H. Um, okay, so if extension is the pipeline from the university's research avenues to the community, and 4-H is the youth component of that. This is Jesse Hadfield, the Livestock and Horse Specialist for Utah 4-H. So my job is to take in, like, take research and current things that are happening in the world from the university and deliver it to a youth audience. And my, my specific programming is horse and livestock. So I focus on youth that are involved in agriculture, uh, horse and livestock programs, as well as like our companion animals and our dog programs and things like that. But um, essentially what 4-H is, is just an opportunity for youth to grow, um, find a sense of belonging, find a spark, develop that spark into a skill that they can then use and have some career development and then follow onto that pathway back into the community that's also receiving extension programming. What I really wanted to know is why 4-H is not a household name across the nation. It's like the best kept secret that only a few people know about. But before we go into that, I asked Jesse to tell me why 4-H is so hard to describe, depending on the state and even in each county. 
4-H looks different for everyone as a participant, but also as a 4-H educator or faculty or someone who's trying to deliver the 4-H model. And I think that's why it's so hard for us to explain it is because your 4-H experience is gonna be very different from mine, even though our goal, our end goal is the same. And so, but how you are going to reach that goal is gonna be very different from someone, a state over or a county over, or even just the next town over. And I think that's what makes 4-H so beautiful because we can cater it to exactly what we need, but it also makes it really difficult to explain and to convey to everybody. So now we're finally getting to the point of this podcast. Why is 4-H not a household name? One thing that I think that we really missed the boat on was advocating to the community. So when I first got started, um, 4-H is the best kept secret in the world. That's, and we kind of joke about that, but that is true. You don't know about 4-H unless you're involved in it somehow. And we're the biggest youth organization in the world, bigger than Boy Scouts, bigger than the Boys and Girls Club, you know, and we've totally missed the boat on being even bigger because we haven't taken the time and the resources to really advocate and and provide for that. And so, and I think part of it is because we didn't have to have, like, we didn't need a cult following to keep going. We have funds coming in from a, you know, a federal or a state or a county level, and so, I don't think we worked hard enough to promote ourselves and become an American brand. And we have not done a good job of telling people the true 4-H story. Um, It's just like my mom thought that my job at the state level as the 4-H animal science specialist was to run fairs. That's not even close to what I do. Um, But that is a very common misconception and it's because we didn't tell the story well enough from the beginning. 4-H was just raising animals for the stock show, and that was it. And it that's a very small portion of what 4-H actually did. And I didn't just stop with Jesse. I asked another colleague of mine, Alicia Stratman, who is the 4-H coordinator in Cache County, Utah. The brand as a whole, obviously this is coming from my background in marketing, is- And that's okay. Reaching out to non-ag students. Yes. I I really think that, I mean, especially in my county, people hear 4-H and they hear that I work for 4-H and they think, oh, you must love animals and do a lot with animals. And I love the animal side, that's what I did. But as I've gotten into 4-H and seen that there are so many opportunities for kids to do other really cool things, I just think that they did themselves a disadvantage by sticking with their agricultural backgrounds. And so if they could do a better job at branding themselves as youth development, but in that, on that same note, sometimes I think they stretch themselves too thin and they're trying to be too much for everybody. Both of my colleagues had similar thoughts and the general consensus is that there's a lack of advocation for 4-H. I asked Jesse what she thought we needed to do so that when Extension says 4-H, everyone knows exactly what program we are talking about. I think we need to be really outward facing. Uh, so we that's a term that we use a lot in USU Extension, you know, being outward facing so that it's the public that's seeing what we're doing and not just our internal avenues or, you know, the connections that we've made over years and years and years. And um, I think that we need to do a better job of doing like 
promotions on the national and the state level. We should have billboards everywhere. Everyone who wears a 4-H shirt should be trained to give a little elevator speech. Um, we should be showing up at schools. There's so many different things that we could be doing. And, and we have a pretty extensive after-school program, but those kids don't even know what 4-H is. They're, our largest enrollment is kids that are involved in an after-school program, and they don't know what 4-H is. And so I think that it would be really important for us to just get the word out and do a better job of um, communicating to the public. And, you know, having a brand, people don't always recognize the four-leaf clover. And I think being able to um, portray that and to model that in a way. Um, everyone knows what FFA is because those kids have a jacket and they're proud to wear it. And when they get that jacket, they're trained on what that means. They all memorize the motto. They all know, you know, they know what that means. Um, and I think that we could do a better job of doing that, you know, from 4-H too. But I think the youth tell the story stronger than anyone else. And so we need to give the youth a platform to do so. And I think maybe that's, you know, going back to like what has failed is that We've had a lot of adults running around trying to tell people what 4-H is, and we need to give the youth the opportunity to tell what 4-H is and what that experience means to them. Both my colleagues agree, and probably most people who work in 4-H, that 4-H needs to create a name bigger than the labels that follow the brand. So I turn this question over to you, my listeners. What do we need to do to expose that secret and get the 4-H brand as well known as the youth development organization that starts with a B and ends with a T? Thank you for listening to this episode of Club Chatter.